Hi, everyone, and welcome to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds, a weekly rewatch podcast for TV shows, movies, and who knows, perhaps pruning yourself while your friend risks his skin to bring yourself back from being lost from time forever. My name is Mike Hilty. And I'm Nick Farrow. How you doing, Nick? I am doing pretty good. You're recording a second episode today, and this is going to be our inaugural <laughs> Loki episode, so I'm very much looking forward to it. It's been a long day, though. It's been a long week, really. My entire family got sick Yeah, systematically throughout the last week and a half, me being one of them. And on Thursday, I get a call from the school nurse that we got to come pick up my oldest daughter. Because she's got a fever that's just a little too above the threshold. So my wife goes and gets her. And do you ever have trouble with uh, your your kid's school and the administration there? Uh, I know we sure do. They go, oh, we'll tell Lily's class, just Lily for some reason, that we'll to, to let her know that Mia won't be on the, the school bus home, that she's going home early. So we're like, oh, okay, great. That's that's perfect because that way there won't be any confusion. We won't have a kid trying to stop the bus. Wait, my sister's not here. We can't go. <laughs> so we're like, okay, great. So the Monday, Mia had stayed after school for yearbook meeting. So when I picked the kids up off the bus stop, Oliver and, and Lily get off the bus and I, I look at them, I go, where's Mia? And they both look at me and they're like, She's on the bus and the bus is pulling away and they're like, we don't know where she is. What do you mean? Where is she? <laughs> they didn't even realize she didn't even get on the bus. So jokingly, I, I get on the day that Mia came home from school early, Oliver gets off the bus and I joke around. I go, hey, where's Mia? And he's like, I don't know. And like thinking we're going to do the same joke again. But then the bus door closes and Lily is nowhere to be found. And I go, whoa, 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 where is Lily? And I just have one kid. I'm supposed to have two kids on this bus. <laughs> so the bus is driving away. And I'm like, do I run after the bus? What's happening here? My wife calls me from the basement. And oh. she just got off the phone with the school. Lily's still at school. Because for some reason, there was miscommunication. And the teacher was told to tell the child that she's not getting taking the bus home she's getting picked up from the car rider line instead of your sister's not going to be on the bus today so lily misses the bus is sitting in the office doesn't know what's going on but then after all the chaos dies down i go and get her and i pick her up and i bring her home i think to myself i go wait oliver is also in the school. No one thought to, to ask all like, hey, you're going to be a bus, a car rider, but your little brother not. He's <laughs> he's not going to be a car. Your parents are coming to pick you up. We don't know what's gonna happen with this kid. Good mm -hmm. luck to him. Like, so we're like, what happened? Thankfully, everything was fine, but like just the order of operations of that entire afternoon just seemed so screwed up. It was a nightmare. We had my first grader, we had an incident on the first day of school where there was a miscommunication about where she was going to go because 
she was supposed to start after school care after Labor Day and first day of school was a couple weeks before that. So we told her that she's coming on the bus home and her teacher and the school subsequently said, no, you're going to this after school care place. No. So, so first day of school, I'm at the bus stop with three other parents and my wife on FaceTime to see our daughter get off the bus and the bus gets there nowhere to be found all the kids get off the bus and the bus driver is looking at me and he just turns pale He's like uh. oh no. so he gets up and is looking around he's he gets all the way to the back and that's when i knew something was immediately up because my daughter is that kid who sits right behind the bus driver yeah i i don't know why but she does so there was a brief moment where I was, where's my kid? Where is my kid? And my wife is freaking out at this point. And there's a small part of me that thought, okay, she has to be at the after school place because that's the only other place that she could be. But then my anxious brain starts thinking, well, what if she wandered wandered into the neighborhood or something like that? She got off at the wrong stop. I give her a little bit more credit than that. As much credit as I give her for wandering off into like a random neighborhood or something like that. So we got a, my wife got a call from the after school care place because it's also where she works or where she will be working. And they're like, why is Gwen here? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, great. Well, at least someone had her. (laughs) So I go to the after school care place. And I asked my daughter, why'd you get on the bus? Because we told you to get on the bus and go home, not go to the after-school care place. And then she pulls the, but my teacher said, and mm-hmm. you always to trust Listen to teachers. the teacher. <laughs> my daughter don't, said the exact same thing, only you, she added the flair. Well, I didn't you, want to lose out any points at the school by, oh. by disobeying. It's fair. I just looked at my daughter and said, don't you use my words against me. Then a week later, we, we had another incident where my my mom was watching my youngest and my wife was home and they both lost track of time and they forgot to get my daughter off the bus. Oh, so, no. so they were like, now I really don't know where she is. Apparently it's policy that back to school take her back to school but the bus did another loop and luckily my mom was around to you know flag the bus down that's good and my daughter was like it was cool i got to see all kinds of people get off the bus that i don't normally get to see get off the bus okay cool i'm glad that you found a silver lining in this so so yes we are also well versed in the ineptitude of school administration and just the comical instances of just getting your children back home sometimes it's yep ridiculous being a parent's great oh yeah it sure is we had to we had to give the bus driver a note that said that if we're not there because the bus drops off right in front of our house so the kids usually just we we would just open the door and the kids would run in but with oliver being a kindergartner 
he's not allowed off the bus without a parent there. But we gave we we could give a note saying that they're allowed to let it, his older sister take him. So yeah, that because I, I wasn't out there the one day and the the bus was like a couple minutes early and I hadn't gone out there yet and Oliver just took off and the <laughs> bus driver said the next morning he's like technically I'm supposed to stop him and get him and not let him off the bus but he got away from me and, <laughs> and then and the sisters were there so I was like okay. He got away from me. That is exactly what you want to hear your bus driver say. Exactly, yeah. Like that. <laughs> this guy's new. He's he seems all chipper and happy, and he's a new bus driver. So we're we're gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, it'll be by the end of the year that he's just an old grizzled vet, and he's like, exactly. Forget these kids. Get off the bus. I'm done. Children raising children. How does it work? really hard sometimes and did did you get the the manual on how to raise your children specifically at the hospital nope no in fact i specifically questioned the hospital and you're just going to let us leave with this thing that's that's how it works we we come in and then you let us leave with a baby you don't know who we are (laughs) whether we're qualified for this this doesn't seem Right. The nurses at the hospital that we were at uh, did not appreciate the policy on the on uh, returns and exchanges. Uh, <laughs> did not appreciate that either time for, for either kid. I laughed a lot at uh, their expense. So it's all good. God, I love the dad jokes. Of Always course. great. Yeah, for sure. So, what do you think? Should we get into the episode this week? <laughs> Sure. Let's do it. This week, we will be watching and going over season two, episode one of Loki, titled... Once upon a time, there was a lovely princess. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. We are treated to a nice recap of season one with the greatest hits of Loki getting to the TVA, meeting Sylvie, and at the end of season one where Sylvie kills he who remains. After what feels like 30 minutes of the Marvel logo, we cut immediately oh, to the after. so long now. It's it's taking forever. It's and the again, same amount of time, but it's so long all of a sudden. It's... I just remember when it was just pages of a comic book sound and it just says Marvel. That's it. Now we have to go through all of the the best moments and then they have to add something in specifically for the show that mm-hmm. we're watching. And I really wish that there was like a fast forward button through that kind of like with a DVD, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you listen to the episode on Lower Decks that we just did. Yep. That joke resonates. We cut immediately to the aftermath of Loki being transported back to the TVA. Kang, or whoever his name is in this part of the multiverse, his statue looms large over everything. So complete with ominous epic music, Loki is slow-mo running away from Mobius faster than James Harden is running away from his commitment to the Philadelphia 76ers. Eh?
Cool. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, Loki pleads with Mobius that uh, after he's been cornered, trying to state that they know each other to no avail. So uh, the obvious solution to this confrontation, though, is to jump out the window. Naturally. Because uh, that is uh, what everybody does in a situation like that. So he jumps out, and Loki jumps out the window into a flying car that hits the statue of Kang. Uh, this flying car, which looks curiously like the taxi Bruce Willis drives in The Fifth Element, uh, crashes into the TVA, startling Casey, who is cleaning the floor, wearing a Walkman like it's 1987. Whoops. Walkmans uh, Lo- never go out of style. Um... Yeah, tell that to the Discman, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk. So, Loki emerges from the wreck, all calm and cool, like nothing happened, saying that he's fine. I'm fine! <laughs> totally fine! I, I don't know why it's coming out all loud and squeaky, because really, I'm fine. Uh, then the taxi falls out of the window and just crashes, and... Uh, <laughs> Loki says, you know, she'll be all right. Oh, boy. Um, she'll be all right. After almost being crushed by a TV, screen pans to what looks like a new TVA logo, but I could be wrong with that. And then someone over the radio says that they have a level five intruder. Uh, Loki pleads with Casey to remember who he is. And just when you think he's going to remember him, Casey calls it in and says he's got the intruder. And I got to admit, this was just a dick move on Casey's part, but I get it. (laughs) You know, he just, he doesn't know him. It's all good. So suddenly Loki looks like he's starting to struggle a little bit. He's kind of looking like Topher Grace's Venom in the Raimi, in Raimi's Spider-Man 3 before just being transported somewhere else. Well, it's really interesting the uh, the design that they went with uh, for, for Loki's time slipping as they come to call it later on. Yeah. It's like he turns into like spaghetti and it's all rubbery looking and kind of gross. It's nice. It's weird looking. And they made a choice. I kind of I, I like I like what they did with it only in this but only in the sense that they gave it a, a different name because in the trailers we were all convinced that he was glitching like they do in Spider-Verse. Yeah. And it looked a little weird. And I was just like, uh I don't know. Could it be that? So I, I'm glad that it, it had its own thing. That was that was nice. That would but, have been uh, that would have been a nice tie-in, but you know, right? Another n- wonderful tie-in. Of course, we can't do any tie-ins. That way, that may make people have to do extra work. Absolutely not. So Loki's transported back to his timeline, where everyone at the TVA does. In I know your face. So uh. Loki tells Casey. That something terrible is happening to him, but notices the crack in the floor that was made by the TV ball thing that fell on the, the floor earlier and cracked it. And Loki concludes that he was in the past and asks to see Mobius before disappearing yet again. So that's what that feels like. I'm kind of wondering how Loki figures that out. That, oh, I'm in... I'm in the past. Time travel and the time slipping is yada yada a lot. Yeah, it was. In this, it doesn't follow the same time travel rules from Endgame. And I just feel like this is a bit of a slippery slope. So I don't know. I'm 
Kind of well, curious. they they try to they try to say that you can't time slip in the TVA, and that I guess since it's happening, it's okay for us to not know what's going on because they don't know what's going on either. They don't have answers. No, but I got the impression that Loki didn't quite figure it out until he got to the next room with all the Kang faces. Mobius is looking at the timeline the same way experts are looking at the NBA Western Conference, trying to figure out what to do with all this chaos. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. They sure are. Uh, Hunter B15 <laughs> says it's time to tell everyone the truth about the TVA. Tell her the truth! Uh, Mobius wonders if people are going to be ready for that and the lights start to flicker and they start to go out. Casey comes in shortly after to tell Mobius that Loki is here, uh, much to his surprise. He calls on Miss Minutes to find Loki when, wherever he is, and she doesn't answer. I always thought that Miss Minutes was just kind of like a mascot, not like an actual thing that they could call, but I don't well, know. Well, she did appear to be a little bit more sentient in the one episode where Loki's learning about the TVA, and then towards the end, and she's very much, like yeah. working with Renslayer like directly, so I think... I think, yeah, I think she's like, like an AI, essentially, that is hanging around there. Places. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find out more once she reemerges. Maybe. Hunter X5, who I don't remember this guy from season one, and apparently this is his first appearance in this. Yeah, I think he's a new character. The, the actor who plays him, he is uh, one of the main characters in the show slash movie Blind Spotting. I was like, oh, I recognize this Oh, guy. I didn't recognize him, but you're absolutely right. Now yeah. I feel silly. Uh, you really shouldn't because Blind Spotting is one of those movies slash shows that not a lot of people have seen. So I love the movie. That's why I feel silly. <laughs> it's It was like one of my favorite movies that the year it came out. You should watch the TV show because it's a uh, it's rather interesting. So Hunter X5 uh, asked Mobius about if jet skis or Sidus are on the sacred timeline. Mobius starts talking about his love for jet skis and asks X5, why'd you even ask the question? He says, X5 says, without Renslayer, there's a new judges council and General Docs and Judge Gamble want to see Mobius and Hunter B-15 ASAP. So they leave down an elevator to see the council when Loki suddenly appears in pain, asking again about Mobius. I I immediately hated Hunter X-5. Mm-hmm. Or Hunter, he, he's a dick. An unnecessary dick. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. His introduction just felt so shaky. It was almost like they were trying to make it like, yeah, this guy's always been around. Remember? He was like in the background last year. And it's like, no, I don't think don't the show do realizes they didn't have anybody in the background in the show. Like the one thing I noticed almost immediately about this this episode was this season's got money behind it because suddenly now we have more than just the same recycled set being walked across over and over again. The sets have windows to them now so you can see outside and all the fun stuff. In addition to that, you've also got 
extras. There are now extras walking around the sets where last season it was just if if there was another person on set, it was rare. It was always just one or two people at most, or there'd be a group of people for a fight scene. Like the TVA was like devoid of all human life. So I I especially liked seeing that. But but yeah, Hunter X5 pissed me off because he just seemed so forced in. I don't think Marvel expected Loki to be as successful or as as well received ish as as it was because I think as Marvel dipped its toes into television a little bit more and tried to interconnect a little bit more with the MCU, I always found Loki to be an odd choice uh, for it, especially with the clear setup in Endgame. But I don't know. Yeah, throw a little bit more money at it, even though the end of this episode kind of contradicts the money thing a little bit because of some, you know, mm-hmm. obvious corporate malfeasance, but we'll we'll get to I that. don't know. I think that kind of proves that they've got some extra cash flow. Well, now, yes, <laughs> that proves that they have extra cash, but maybe that just means that they needed it. So I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Loki, Loki quickly blips in and out again as Mobius and Hunter B-15 are, are heading to the war. You can't fight in here. This is the war room. He yells real quick, but then disappears. And and Mobius kind of like turns around and looks, but there's nothing there because they're doing a West Wing style walk and talk. And uh, Hunter B-15 and Mobius have are trying to talk, figure out how to handle the situation. The lights keep flickering and they get to the door with the war room where they come across Hunter D-90 and he's he's like standing hat in hand, like apologizing. And I wasn't I, I couldn't quite remember if this was this. I have to go back and rewatch the episode. But this is this is apparently this is the hunter that pruned Mobius during season one. And he's really apologetic about, you know, having to do it. But Mobius is super cool. Mobius is like, yeah, no, you were just doing your job. If anything. Renslayer is the one that owes me the apology. So, but they they ask him what what the climate of the room is like, and he's like, "Well, you should probably go and check it out yourself." And I'm not saying that basketball reference because why not? Why not? <laughs> so I don't know what any of those words mean in uh, that order. <laughs> fine. You didn't have to say any of the Star Trek references I put in. I know. I know. <laughs> I but I told you what that is I Damian would. Damian Lillard. Uh, <laughs> All right, let me. A, okay, I'll take it. It's a, and Hunter D ninety awkwardly walks away, like Damian Lillard walked away from the Portland Trailblazers. Yay! There you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. Are the, the Trailblazers are a team in yes. Portland. Yes, they are. Are they a real team? They are a real team. Are they a hockey team? No, they are. These are all basketball references. All basketball reference. I see. Yes, all you right, will well, not get any hockey is references. Damian Lillard uh, related to Matthew Lillard, the actor. He is definitely not. All right. Uh, well, yeah. actually, I shouldn't say definitely not. I actually don't know, but I okay. feel pretty confident that Stu Mocker is not related to Dame Dollar. Fair enough. Loki comes back to the hallway and barges into the we, we we well we we go back to Loki and he's he's 
in an empty hallway at this point. And he he goes into the war room also, only instead of a war room full of peoples, uh, like Mobius's was, his is an empty room where he he's able to see the bunch of Kang faces all over the wall. And it's moments like this where I kind of have to take this show to task for the constant switching of back and forth. It did get a little whiplashy at times. And if I gave House of the Dragon some crap for time jumps, I'm giving this show a little bit of crap for, you know, just constantly shifting back and forth between two different times. There are some times that it flowed pretty well, but there are some times that it felt very jarring. It was very chaotic with how they did it. And it, I'm going to be absolutely honest. The whole first episode confused the crap out of me until I watched it a second time. Like I was so lost from start to finish I kind of got my bearings by the end, but like it really took two viewings for me to even be able to appreciate the episode for what it was, because by the end of it, I was just like, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I was, I I didn't really notice like the great cinematography, the amazing score, the, the fun aesthetic of these sets, like I'm just trying to puzzle together how the time travel works. And I think that's a that's a, a problem because you can't assume that everyone's going to be like, let's watch it again within 24 hours. Like, it's not not going to happen, Garen, necessarily. Why not? Well, <laughs> not everybody has a podcast that they have to record 48 hours after the show airs. That we get to record 24 hours after yes. it airs. No, no, we have to. Otherwise, editing becomes a real madhouse. Well, Loki, uh, in the war room in the past, is looking around for answers like Harry Potter is looking for answers about Sirius Black in the Superior Prisoner of Azkaban film. Expecto Patronum! That's right. Oh, really? I said it. The Superior um, one? Really? He sees five faces of Kang in the room in the past, and then they shift to the war room in the present with a pretty slick transition uh, from scene to scene. That was that was one that I thought worked out pretty well. So all the transitions were kind of fun in this episode. I I really enjoyed how they did it, especially one that comes later when they go into that weird room in the present. We are treated to a tape being played from the previous season. Pretty much it's Loki explaining to Morbius how everyone in the TVA is a variant and how the timekeepers kidnapped everyone from the timelines and had their memories erased. You've just been erased. The clip continues to play with Loki saying that all these people had a life and a family before being whisked away to the TVA. Uh, Judge Gamble, who's a new character played by Liz Carr, states how the the time branches continue to grow and that Mobius put out an order about no more pruning. So Hunter B-15 sits down to talk because uh, she's got to do it by the book on the record, of course. We shift back to Loki in the past in the war room. So Loki continues to look around the war room and sees the tape player. So he starts playing it and we hear he who remains. He who remains. He's saying that you're quite the Marvel and proud to lead with you. So 
don't really know who he's talking about. So Loki with the wherewithal rewinds back the tape to reveal that he who remains is talking about none other than Ravona Renslayer, who is nowhere to be found in this episode. That's a little frustrating, but whatever. So back in the present, General Dox, who's another new character played by Kate Dickey, who is tried to rack my brain it's like where do i know this person from like oh you're uh you're in you're in game of thrones you're the one who had like the eight-year-old suck at your tit during uh, uh, the first season of game uh, of thrones so this isn't awkward at she all was catlin's sister mm-hmm. yeah she, okay uh, i knew you look familiar yeah she definitely was i i thought originally it's like i think like i wasn't even trying to troll you or anything like that i thought she was in harry potter but then it was like oh you're in game of thrones okay that's that's the other famously cast british television thing general doc starts scalding mobius and hunter b15 for not adhering to proper protocol about uh, putting a hold on pruning. And B-15 talks about how everyone's a variant, which means that the rules are different. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. It's just kind of chaos right now. And that Renslayer and everyone else had a life on the timeline. So Mobius acknowledges that the time branches are still expanding, uh, but the sky isn't falling. Hunter X-5 begs to differ and he says have you looked outside recently it definitely looks like the sky is falling which again goes to kind of agree with you it's like yeah i'm being a being a dick about this bro unnecessarily he just seems so unnecessarily aggressive i don't i don't get that general doc says uh that they still need to protect the timeline but b15 thinks all they're doing is destroying the timeline now, General Dox and uh, Judge Gamble want to talk about protocol, which is weird because who do they think they are talking about lack of protocol one minute and then the need of, for protocol uh, another minute? Who do they think they are? Congress? Gamble officially declares uh, that an end to pruning is effective immediately. And then Loki appears in the present. So after being glad to see Mobius and that he recognizes him, he takes X-5's pruner and then prunes the wall to reveal the same statues of he who remains behind the wall in the present that he saw in the past. And revealing that he's the one that built TVA and that he's coming back. Good for that. Very much yada yada over. Oh yeah, very, very (laughs) much so. I don't understand how... He was the one that came up with the, like, the, I, I, yeah, it's not very well explained. It's probably going to be something that hopefully is explained later. I hope it's not something that we're going to get in another Marvel film somewhere down Mm -hmm. the road. But uh, everyone is wondering what happened to He Who Remains and where Sylvie is. This is the first that we really get, like, a full conversation about Sylvie. So to which uh, Loki sadly replies, he does not know she is. So uh, Mobius and Loki leave while General Dox and X-5 share a very weird moment together. 
it's as if like they're related or they're boning. I don't know, but it was just a very weird moment between them. I didn't like it. Yeah, it just it just kind of left a weird feeling. It seemed weird for two new characters to that we've never seen before to behave in such a manner that we have no context to understand. Yeah, but that also just sounds like something Marvel would do, right? You know, just like, hey, you're, you're just, you know, you're just supposed to accept all of this. It um, it does almost feel like it was specific enough that it's going to come back around later and you're suddenly going to go, oh, that really weird interaction has meaning. But, but like, but it also I'm, could be something that never gets brought up again. <laughs> yes, because Marvel also has a problem with that too. But I think at the end of the day, you and I are probably going to look at this, and if it does come back, be like, oh, this was a big nothing burger. I don't, I don't think anything's going to come of that, but I could be wrong. I don't know. General Dox says that just because the timekeepers are fake doesn't mean their warnings were fake, but she sends X5 uh, on a mission to go find Sylvie and see what happened at the end. assuming that this is going to be big i'm assuming secondary plot like and yeah. let's go find let's go find sylvie well yeah and it's indicated a little bit later that they 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 sent everyone everyone <laughs> everyone because mm-hmm. uh because i guess sylvie is the one that they want numero uno well loki's concerned about that the general docs wants sylvie so bad and Mobius and Loki talk about what happened once once he and Sylvie got past Eliath and uh and got to the Citadel of Time. So Loki Loki goes all Shakespearean and starts talking about he who remains, how he who remains is the devil. Mobius I love this part. Mobius asks who won and uh Loki indicates that that at the end of their fight, Sylvie pushed him through a time door, and that's how that's why he doesn't know what happened to them because he was he was in the time door. Loki says that it was a draw, and Mobius is just like it was it was a draw. You 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 both kicked each other through <laughs> equal time doors. <laughs> I really loved that. That was that, that was that, great. See, and this is this is the part of Loki that I really like. It's this dynamic between uh, Loki and, and Mobius. You know, because yeah, that's... Wilson. Wow. Yeah, Hiddleston and Wilson, they have such a great chemistry. From the first episode of the first season all the way to now, like, it still is so great seeing them bounce off of each other because those are the moments in this episode that really worked. They... Whenever they had a little aside together or could bounce something off of one another, they they nailed it every time. And it and it it was always enough to bring me back and go, okay, this is yes, this is why I like this show, because these two are are perfect in it. Yes. And you know, you and I have talked about how Marvel doesn't really give a lot of its newer cast members a whole lot of time to to shine. And I'm just glad that they continue to give Mobius more opportunities and give him 
a little bit more of a prominent role as opposed to, you know, Renslayer don't really know much of anything about yet. And then also all the hunters, they're just henchmen at this point, uh, with the exception of B-15, who's given a little bit more nuance and a little bit more to do. Agreed. So Loki starts uh, trying to explain to Mobius, like, what he who remains his deal is. And Mobius is like, is is that his name or his title? And he's like, I don't know. That's just how he was introduced to me. He was the last one. And he kind of indicates, and this is where the other Kang stuff really helped. Not just the, the he who remains stuff from last season, but like, ant-man and the the post credit scene there uh because loki starts talking about how a war is coming and that when he he's called he who remains because there's he was the last one there were so many there are millions of him coming back now and that's why the timeline needed to be pruned and i i was a little frustrated during these parts because it's like he's not getting the information to mobius succinctly mm-hmm. and i maybe it's because for him it's only been like 15 minutes but for us it's been two years so it's yeah. like i have exactly in my head okay mobius so this is what's happened so there are many kangs in many universes and the one that won decided to just prune all of the universes so that his all variants didn't come back and start a war but like loki is having the hardest time getting that out because he's 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 flustered Essentially, he he pretty much boils it down to that this dude is legit and this dude is scary and we need to treat him as an absolute threat. Like there's there's nothing but problems if we allow Kang to come back. But Mobius is a little more concerned about Loki's problem as he blips out of like existence quite again and it kind of freaks him out mobius suggests that they uh they go down to repairs and advancement because they need to they need to make sure that loki stops doing whatever he's doing first before they can they can move on he also wonders how much it hurts and that is that leads to one of my favorite parts of the whole episode so so on the elevator loki disappears again and mobius recoils saying that it just looks horrible horrible what it looks like mobius says it looks like he's being born and dying at the same time and that he's freaking out man i'm freaking out man you are freaking out man i i loved this this part so (laughs) it it pans to just some Poor girl in the elevator who's just seeing this whole thing. You just happened to get on the elevator with these two idiots. Yeah. (laughs) She looks like an intern or something, but she just kind of looks at everybody in shock. It's just like, what am I witnessing? What's going on? Yeah, that was that was definitely a a that was so funny. Movie's just like kind of looks at her like, right? It looks awful. And she's just (laughs) just like, what am I supposed to say in this? Like anything I say is gonna be you know, going to be ridiculous. So they walk a really long way to to get to the repairs and advancement department where they are greeted by 
Ouroboros, or OB, as Mobius, I guess, used to call him. And he's played by... That so weird. Uh, that, that, was, that was a little weird. Uh, but he's played by National Treasure uh, Ki-Hui Kwan. He was great. He was really great. Uh, he was. In this, in this episode. Riding the resurgence that he's had to, to a Marvel role. And I hope that... I really hope that he is in more of this and that he's just not wasted like so many other people new to Marvel are are wasted. I am concerned about that. I'm not making it a secret that I'm concerned about that. Mobius wants to run a situation by him, but Obi talks about how it's been 400 years uh, since they last saw each other. And he reminds him of how you would talk to an ex after it's been a long time since... uh, since you last talked just says things so like matter of factly it's just like that's not what you said like that's that's, mm-hmm. that's not how that went so um, loki eventually disappears again and obi immediately knows that he's time slipping it's interesting because you know like is this like a common occurrence like how does he know that it's it's time slipping obviously he's been around long enough he should know that but uh, we as the audience, it's just like, okay, I'm supposed to trust that you know what you're talking about. That's fine. So he knows what it is. He's seen it before, but he also says that he can't fix it, which is kind of horseshit. But you know, contradictory he, to that. This is where the 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 weird timey wimey nonsense was really getting on my nerves in the first viewing. The second yeah. time I was able to like kind of put it aside, but it bugs me when time travel takes the approach of the person in the past is is interacting with somebody else. And then in the future, it cuts to that person like suddenly gaining the knowledge as opposed to always having had the knowledge. And yeah. that's that's that was that was kind of getting on my I nerve. I. I agree with you. Kihi Kwan is so amazing in this role. I I only would push back slightly that if he didn't show up for the rest of the series, I I couldn't say that he was a waste because he did so much in this one episode that like even if even if he might dropped out from here on out that didn't matter doesn't matter. He he did what he needed to do. He did it amazingly. Maybe we'll see him again someday, but like I, I think he did a fantastic job with just this little role. Uh, but yes, I really do hope that we get more of him because yeah. he was he was really great. He and and he shows it in in this scene because like it keeps cutting back between the past and the present, and the past and the present. He doesn't have glasses on in the past, so you know him and Loki, no glasses. Past him and Mobius, glasses. Future. They both are essentially having a conversation with Ob uh, separately, and you know, whenever whenever Mobius asks him a question, he's like, "No, I don't, I don't know." And then he has that conversation with Loki, and then suddenly in the future, he's like, "Oh, you know what? I do remember that time Loki just suddenly appeared and started asking me about time slipping." Yeah, and I, then I didn't like that. It just it just didn't make a whole lot of sense and it seemed like a cheap cop out but i get it it's a 
Yeah. It's it's a fun sight gag, I guess. So, and it, it just also reminded me of that part. It's everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? Past then. When? Just now. Wear it now, now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? It kind of breaks your brain a little. A little and bit. It's one of those, like, don't think about it moments. I, my hope is that they don't use this as a ploy moving forward. I think if we can keep it to this particular moment to do the funny jokes with Kihi Kwan being able to really, you know, bounce back and forth between future and past self, like, I don't really understand what you're talking about. Oh, I think I remember something now. Like, oh, I don't really think that's possible. But you know what? I think that's possible. I, I thought that was fun, at least for, for him to have a little bit of an acting bounce back and forth between two essentially different characters, thousands of years apart. So Loki gets to the past and says to him, all right, so I'm time slipping. How do we solve that? And Kihi Kwan's like, well... You don't because you're not supposed to be time slipping. And he's like, well, let's assume theoretically that you could fix it. What would you do? And he says, well, you would need a temporal aura extractor. And he's like, okay, great. Do you have one of those? And he's like, no. And then we bounce back to, to Mobius asking the exact same question. The Loki one says, oh, you know what? I can make you one. And Loki's like, do you think you could hold on to it for me until Mobius shows up? And he goes, yeah, sure. And then we bounce back to the future and Mobius is like, do you have an aura extractor? And Obi's like, In fact, no, I'm... I don't have one. Wait, Wait I actually I... think I do. Like, And so he does have the aura extractor that, that past Obi just made. So it's just been sitting around. He's got it. And then so Mobius is like, all right, so how do we, how do we fix Loki with this aura extractor? And Obi's like, all right, so what you're going to do is you're going to prune him. And then the R extractor will pull him out of the thing. And then it'll peel off all of your, it, it, but there's a risk of you having all of your skin peeled off when that happens. So you got to make sure you do it quickly so that you don't lose all, all your skin. And this is, of course, is a, a major sticking point for Mobius. <laughs> He's not a big fan of the idea of uh, losing all of his skin. It's weird. You'd think that being flailed like that, you know, just would appeal to anybody, but not not Mobius. That's no, weird. No, because you got to think about the quality of life. <laughs> how, what kind of life are you going to live without any skin? Loki time slips back into the present where he and Mobius talk about who's got the crappier job right now. Is it the one who risks potentially be having his skin peeled off or is it the one who potentially risks being lost to time forever so obi notices that the lights are flickering and after mobius tells him that their power surges that they've been having obi starts to get very worried about this so he assumes that the branching timelines are causing the power surges so they walk to the a temporal loom room. This is one of my favorite cinematic shots of the episode. <laughs> the door opens to find the, the temporal loom, which according to Obi is the heart of the TVA, where raw time is made into a physical timeline. And as much crap as I give Marvel 
for their special effects not looking great. This looks amazing. It did. I was very impressed. And this is another, this is where the money's going. Like they, they have money this season. You mm -hmm. can tell. It's overloading because it was only meant to make one timeline, not a bunch. They're struggling to figure out what to do next. So Obi explains that the way that he can fix it, and he's left with pretty much all bad options. You prune the other timelines, which B-15 says they don't want to do that, or they protect the TVA via blast door until Obi can figure out how to accommodate more of the branches in the loom. So after the blast doors are closed, unfortunately, Loki wouldn't be able to be uh, in sync. It's tearing up my heart when I'm with you. If he wants to solve his time clipping, he pretty much has to do their plan now, where Mobius needs to use the you know, weird device thing, and Loki has to go prune himself. So Obi explains the plan, and that if they don't succeed, that Loki's pretty much going to remain out of time. Forever. Forever, forever, forever. Obi originally says that he has an hour, but then the glass cracks, and then he says, oh, you have five minutes. I don't care how long it takes. I will keep you here all night. We can't keep him past four. I will keep you here until four. This deadpan expression, this is this is why Kihu... Kihuei Kwan is just great in this role. He just says that so matter-of-factly and just notices something and then yeah, yeah, that was that was great. His deliveries are, are were were pretty much fantastic up and down the board. Like it was he was so matter-of-fact. Yeah. So Mobius and Loki, uh, they have another nice moment uh together and Loki says like, "Look, if I don't make it back, and Mobius is saying, you're going to make it back, it's all good. And then he slips back into the past again. Which, I'm... No. I, he doesn't slip back into the past. He slips into the future. And we know this because while they were discussing the plan, Mobius writes skin... Oh, in the right. dust on the uh, the one console with a question mark. It's probably my favorite part of the episode. Just mm -hmm. skin. Because he's just so hung up on the fact that he could lose all of his skin. The reason we know that he's in the future is because Loki temporarily jumps towards the future. Uh, jumps into the same room that they're in. And he looks over and he sees Mobius's word skin still written in dust the blast doors are now down and it's at this moment my first viewing that i finally understood like what was going on like okay he's in the future i get it and before he was in the past and so he's he's going all over the place so he really he the the time slipping doesn't allow him to take the the pruning stick with him he left that behind uh, and as my daughter rightfully pointed out, well, then how come his clothes went with him? Uh, <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, my children would be excellent at CinemaSins. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the the prune stick didn't go with, so he's got to find a prune stick. But now that he's in the future, 
all of the weapons have been cleared out of the weapons locker because uh, as Hunter B15 earlier said, Docs and X5 are clearing out the place and they're all going after uh, Sylvie. So, so no one's there. He can't like grab a, a prune stick from anybody just running by him. Like they're all gone. So he's desperately searching for, for something to, mm-hmm. to take him out and put him in the temporal loom. Yeah. So the plan is starting to go into motion. So Loki is looking for a pruner slash time stick uh, in the future. And Mobius is walking slower than an injured LeBron James in the middle of the regular season, risking his skin so that the aura extractor can be put in place to bring Loki back so that he does not time slip anymore. So uh, the device Loki is holding indicate that it is time for him to prune himself uh, turns green. So we still don't have a time stick or anything like that. And Obi needs to shut the blast door uh, in the present in like 30 seconds or else this thing isn't going to work. So Loki's desperately looking and suddenly a phone rings just kind of weirdly out of nowhere. And Loki goes towards the phone, which is by the elevator. Obi lets Mobius know that he has to close the blast door so that Mobius needs to get out of there. But the elevator opens, and it's it's Sylvie trying to get in. And Loki, I thought Loki pruned, like found a prune, like a pruner, and he did that to himself. But you think that somebody pruned him? He got pruned from behind. <laughs> He was he was so taken aback by Sylvie's god awful haircut <laughs> that he didn't notice the person sneaking up on him and hitting him in the back with the prune stick. Which is weird because they said they, the TV said no more pruning, so that's why I was confused. About well, they that. still got him. I, well, they said no pruning timelines, but. Yeah, again, this is this is all just very convoluted and it's just, you know, what happens. It's you, done so. it's done cinematically and Chekhov's ringing phone I'm sure will come to play later and I I don't know, do you want to do theories now cuz I've got a theory as to what's happening there. Let's do the theory now. So, so what do you- I, I'm I'm positive. I am 100% positive. Because Sylvie gets uh, opens the elevator door, says, there you are. And then Loki gets pruned. And we don't see who pruned him. and But there is definitely a person behind him. I think Loki pruned himself. Yes. I, it, it's got to be Loki who pruned Loki. From, it's future Loki from later in the season. They're back at the TVA. The, the phone's ringing because they need to get to that phone. And that's exactly where he was at the start. And so they knew that they needed to be the one to prune him. Very much like Harry Potter in The Prisoner of Azkaban, the worst of the Harry Potter, the second worst of the Harry Potter movies. I was going to say that this reminds me a lot of what happens in Bill and Ted's Excellent. Who are you guys? We're you, dude. No way. No way. Yes way, Ted. Look, we know how you feel. We didn't believe it either when we were you, and we us said what we us are saying right now. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. Same so, concept. Same, yeah, same, <laughs> same exact concept. It doesn't make a lick of sense, but you know, 
whatever. Loki was wondering where he was hiding behind the rock, wondering who was going to come, where, when his dad was going to get there to prune his old self to send him back into the thing so that Mobius can save him. And then he realized he was the one that did the pruning originally. And it was his Patronus all along. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. What a great, what a great story. It was a very good story. (laughs) Even better movie. Uh, He gets back to the present. No, it was not. Uh, helps Mobius uh, to get back to the TVA before the blast door shut and Mobius skin. We won. All right. Hey, all right. Good job, guys. All is well with that. So Loki then says that we need to find Sylvie. So back with B-15, though, all the hunters are getting ready to go after her. And D-90 says, he just doesn't buy what's going on with this. Why are we sending all of these people to go get Sylvie. And that's the end of the episode. Und- but wait! There's more! We <laughs> get a mid credit scene that shows Sylvie going back to 1982 Oklahoma. Ew. In a branch timeline. Uh, so, she walks into a McDonald's where a clerk is introducing her to the greatest item on the McDonald's menu, the Chicken McNugget. Sylvie... <laughs> um that was uh that was you in agreement uh with that obviously so uh sylvie looks around at the people uh smiling with friends and couples holding hands and such after the clerk asks her what she wants to try she says she wants to try everything and that is the official end of the episode so nick did you did you like this episode or I have mixed emotions about this episode. My initial reaction was, oh God, they, this was all over the place. It, I I really thought that uh, the first 15 minutes of this episode would have been better served attached to the finale of season one, that it, it would have made so much more sense instead of leaving us with that weird cliffhanger where we're all going, are they in a different universe? Is this another branch? What's going on? No, it's just the past. They're time slipping. Like it's, it's three years worth of questions or two years worth of questions that was answered in 10 minutes. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. I really hate the fact that they asked a question and then immediately answered it as soon as the show came back and they didn't really need to ask that question in the first place. Like, I feel like the it would have left for a better finale. Uh, but at the same time, I'm glad that they addressed it immediately and put it to bed because all of theories I had were way too convoluted. And I was super concerned that that's where the show was going to go and it was going to turn into more of a mess. But uh, I liked I liked that they didn't go there. So I kind of worked my way back on that point. Uh, as far as the rest of the episode, this is one of style over story substance. I feel like the story was really weak because they they kind of they zhuzhed it all up with fun visuals and and crazy talking and and quick quick actions, but they. If you really boil down what happened in the episode, nothing. The answer is nothing happened in this episode. But I loved watching it because yeah. I love the set design in this universe, 
the way everything looks, the feel, the TVA's just overall like retro aesthetic. I just, I find it all really appealing. I love the music. I think this is one of the best scores the Marvel Cinematic Universe has. Natalie Holt is like just a rock star in my opinion, in terms of composers for the MCU based on this score alone and like freaking was it Jerry Goldsmith does the Avengers theme. So like it's uh it's freaking nuts how wonderful this music works with just everything that it is attached to the the aesthetic, the cinematography. I love the chemistry yes. between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. I I really like that they're giving B-15 more to do and it really feels like they've got themselves a little team. It almost feels like with the the new Hunter D-90 that like there's going to be like there's going to be factions of the TVA. They're going to they're going to join forces with Mobius or are they going to join forces with with uh, the general and uh Hunter Dick uh <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, I I kind of like where everything is going. It's just I wish they had done a little bit more substance of the story to get us there. Yeah, I I largely agree with you. I thought this episode was fine. You know, the story didn't make a whole lot of sense. They yada yada over a lot of stuff. I'm I'm like you said. I'm glad that they addressed the time slipping, and I presumably solved it now i'm gonna be a little annoyed if we this comes back all of a sudden where loki like obi obi's plan didn't work exactly how he thought it would so a little concerned about that new characters were generally forgettable except for obi so and again i'm hoping that I'm I'm hoping that there's more to OB. I'm also a little worried that Marvel's going to pull a fast one. He'll run into a situation where he's like secretly like a villain. Like I I don't need that either. So, but we'll, uh, I wouldn't like that either. We'll see. So, well, let's go ahead and we'll do our favorite character which for this, we will call this, for Loki, the He Who Remains. I'll take you home and lock you in a nice little cage and never, never, ever let you ever Do you imprison everything you like? Of course. Be so sexy, I'm gonna die. The Moopsie is Narja's favorite. Moopsie. So in this segment, we pick a character from the episode who we would want to go past Elioth uh, with to get to the Citadel of Time and have a fight over whether or not we should kill the actual he who remains. So, Nick, who is your he who remains for this week? I mean, it has to be Ouroboros. Obi was amazing. I love every second he's on screen. I do want more of him, but at the same time, he could he could literally peace out right now and I'll be happy. Like he was he was excellent. Obi all the way. It, it's very hard for me not to pick OB, but I'm going to anyways because, you know, 
there's there's other characters here who uh deserve a little bit of recognition and i you mentioned it i'm i'm picking b15 actually because b15 has the home or the the makings of somebody who's getting a little bit more substance who's kind of a little bit more of a in a bit of more of a moral conundrum right now so i'll be curious to see how that pans out um it was a little hard for me also not to pick Mobius in this case as well, just for the skin question mark that he, he was wrote so concerned in uh, in the dust uh, on on the back of one of those monitors. Uh, so um, so yes, I would say B fifteen will be my he or I guess she who remains uh, for this week. So that's he or he who remains uh, for this week. Um, and we're going to get to our final segment of of Loki. Uh, and this segment, we're calling it the sacred timeline. You know, my pep have always said, if you want to do something right, you make a list. It's making a list. I'll put it on the list. It's quite an impressive list. Thank you. So in this segment, Nick and I are going to do the impossible task of ranking our favorite mcu properties and then we will collectively rank them in one unified official geeks speak louder than nerds list um so no branches no variants here just one list um a couple of rules that we've established so we will include tv shows and specials in this list but we will only include the disney plus stuff we are not including anything from abc or netflix or any other miscellaneous Marvel stuff, uh, like from Hulu, or when you know, they tried to do the, the Runaways or the uh, Cloak and Dagger. We're not including any of that stuff. Uh, this is just MCU proper stuff. Uh, so today we will be ranking number 43 through 35, because um, that's how many we have to go through uh, for this. Um, then we will do the rest in the following episodes. Uh, so in the final ep- in the final episode of the season, we will be figuring out our joint list together. So, Nick, what is your number 43? Well, I uh, I alluded to you earlier that uh, my bottom three was a Ant-Man sandwich made out of Thor bread. However, after really looking it over and thinking about it, I've actually changed that. Um I'm I'm going to, in honor of last week's episode, uh, acknowledge that I I think Secret Invasion is by far the worst of the MCU properties. So I have I have Secret Invasion at number forty three. It was very hard for me to not put Secret Invasion at number forty three, but it is not that far away from number forty three. To tip my cards a little bit, because my number forty three. And it's consistently been my lot dead last is Thor the Dark World, which is, I don't want to say universally known as one of the worst MCU movies, but it's pretty low on pretty much most of the people I know's list because there's really not a whole lot redeeming about Thor the Dark World at all. I agree. Um, Thor the Dark World. I, I kind of allowed it to no longer be the number the 43 on my list because it 
there there are moments in it that I I do enjoy, and the the stuff with Loki and, and Avengers Endgame kind of redeemed some of it a little. And so I I really thinking back, I was like, I I can't keep it at last. Secret Invasion really did upset me enough that it earned that spot, but it is my number forty two. So okay. <laughs> it didn't it didn't make it it didn't it didn't it didn't make it that far. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, my my number forty two is Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, Quantumania? No, no. We are going to have a very interesting conversation in seven weeks. In five weeks. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Ant Man needs the- to rewatch Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, no thanks. I'm good. Um, I don't know. Just Ant Man and the Wasp just didn't connect with me. I or. I don't know. There is something about Ant-Man that just he feels so awkwardly placed in the MCU. Um, And I don't know if that's Paul Rudd or the fact that Ant-Man just has like a weird history in Marvel and everything like that. Plus also like they called it out. It's like, hey, you know, everybody's got a gimmick with insects and things like that. And, you know, it's just a very weird power to have. So um so yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp is my number uh, 42. Well, I suppose that's exactly what I should expect from someone who likes the Prisoner of Azkaban movie. But uh, I have a different Ant-Man for my number 41, and I have Quantumania, because that everything you just said about Ant-Man and the Wasp is exactly how I feel about Quantumania. I felt it was awkwardly placed. It did not feel like it was in the right genre in this instance i i think the first ant-man was fine but i never really got into it like i it just didn't hit with me but i think ant-man and the wasp is where they found their stride like that they that was exactly the right movie at exactly the right time and it just 100 worked for me uh but then ant-man quantumania just took a nosedive off a cliff. They were like, what does everyone love about Ant-Man? The fact that he gets really little. Well, what if we made it so that that didn't matter? Like everything. There's no concept of size at all. What else worked? Oh, the comedy. The comedy was great in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. What do we do in the Quantumania? Well, let's kind of get rid of the comedy. We're, we're not going to make it very funny at all. It's it's going to be more serious this time around. Oh, okay. Well, what what else do we got? Uh, well, there's a great dynamic between uh, Scott and, and Hope. And we really built on that in the second one. So people will want to see more of it in the third one. What do we do? We split them up completely until the end of the movie. Like every single thing that worked about this franchise, they did the opposite for. And I do not understand why. And so I, I, I almost, I'm almost... I said earlier that I need to do a rewatch of like some of my bottoms. And I, I honestly think that after rewatching Thor, the dark world, I might drop quantum mania below it. But uh, for now, quantum mania is at number 41 for me. Not to tip my cards again. I'm not even talking about quantum mania today. So, Oh, wow. Okay. 
Interesting. But it's not like I'm going to be talking about quantum mania, like during episode five or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's not that far away, but, um, Mine, the, the only reason why Secret Invasion is my number 41 is because of Olivia Colvin. That's it. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because uh, we've we've shit on Secret Invasion enough and uh, it doesn't need to be talked about anymore. So what's your number 40? My number 40 actually was Secret Invasion before I moved it. And, and the same reason, Olivia Colvin. But uh, I, I couldn't. My number 40 is Thor, Love and Thunder. You're imitating the God Man. Me too. Uh, really? Me too. Cool. Oh, Daily Devil. Yeah, you can lock that go. one in now. You heard mm-hmm. it here first, guys. <laughs> Number 40, Thor, Love, and Thunder. It just, it was one of those, the only reason it's it's as high as it is, and I didn't flip it with Dark World, is because Christian Bale just, I really loved what he was doing. I, I absolutely hated all of the God City stuff with Russell Crowe. Uh, the, the, the whiplash that I got from the comedy back to the serious, back to the comedy just didn't, didn't mm-hmm. sit well with me. And upon further rewatches, it just, it kept slipping down my list. I think when it first came out, I had it at like 26. And now over the last year, it's made its way down to 40. So, and I've, I've seen it like three or four more times at this point. And it just, it isn't getting any better for me. The only thing that I I wanted to, I get what they did with Natalie Portman's character because it kind of matches what they did with, you know, did in the comics and everything like that. Um, It was good to see Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth back together, uh, but it also just amounted to just a big nothing burger at the end of the day, and I just couldn't stand that. Um, and given just every, this, this movie, yeah, you're right with the comedy and everything like that. It just, it's just felt a little bit like, Hey, Thor Ragnarok was, was great for Taika Waititi, uh, and everything like that. It was a breath of fresh air for Marvel as well. So it's like Marvel said, Hey, double down, you'll be fine. And that Mm -hmm. just, that just didn't work. There was that chunk of movie that was missing in the middle where Jane gets her powers and learns how to use her powers. That could have been a Disney plus show on its own. Or that could have been a special on its own. Or a special or a movie. The movie could have just been Valkyrie and Jane. Like, well, and yeah. If the movie, if the movie would have been Valkyrie and Jane, I would have been fine with that. But the amount of Valkyrie that we did get in this was criminal. Yeah, Just not the amount enough. Of Jane we got in this was criminal. Like, yeah, they they didn't they had too much to do. And I, I mean, I guess that goes to the rumor of the 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 five hour director's cut that her assembly cut that they had like they filmed so much and just cut so much like they they had enough to make two movies where's all the marvel people saying release the ytd cut (laughs) (laughs) the marvel people aren't insane people that's that's fair all right well what's what's your number 39 39 is where i feel comfortable putting the eternals i i would Every time I've seen this, which is like four times now, I have wanted to rank it higher. 
but that freaking awful runtime and the fact that this truly like I, I mentioned it with Thor, but this one truly should have been a Disney Plus show yeah. where each episode you get to spend time with each character and let let us get to know these people because by the end of the movie, I didn't know or care about any of them. And the the I, I, I just keep imagining what the episode of I don't even remember his name. The the big burly dude that um, that took care of Angelina Jolie's character when she went nope. nuts. No, nope, those two. I don't. Well, those two together, I can only imagine what a heartbreaking, tearful story that could have led to with him taking care of her for however many hundreds of years, and then for it to then lead to what we got in the movie, like it would have changed the way that you saw the movie with more backstory to it. And it's just, I feel like it was the biggest missed opportunity to not do these characters justice by giving Mm -hmm. them their, their own individual moments to shine in either a special or a series or something Mm -hmm. else. Like just a three hour movie was obnoxious. I feel like the Eternals is probably going to go the same route that the Inhumans did where as soon as they introduce the X-Men, they're just going to forget that the Eternals exist. And yep. I think that would be a disservice because this is a talented group that I think it would just be a complete waste if Marvel just doesn't acknowledge them. Again, it also I, wouldn't be surprising, but... We'll I see. think if you whittle them down and you keep, like, a couple... <laughs> Okay, and then you could toss them in for like they show up in the Guardian, like one or two shows up in a Guardians movie, or one of them stays on Earth and is like a member of the Avengers. But like, there's too many of them at the moment, and you you can't have that many characters. It's not gonna mm-hmm. work unless unless you are doing like an X Men, and you can't have an X Men team and an Eternals team and expect us to care about both giant teams of superheroes. Um. I disagree because if they're doing an Avengers, a new Avengers and a young Avengers, then we can have a, and, and an Illuminati, we can have a, we can have X-Men and we can have Eternals and probably a Fantastic Four. So Fine. But yeah, but you know what those other teams, those other Avengers teams all have characters with their own individual spin-off stories that we got before they teamed up. So, that's that's where the Eternals lost me. Uh speaking of individual movies with, you know, character and all that stuff. Um I'm my number 39 is The Incredible Hulk. Um mainly because look, it's better than the Angley Hulk that was just kind of a convoluted mess. Um, a lot better than the Angley Hulk. <laughs> yeah, I I would say that. Um, I really the the what if I want to see at some point or another is hey, what if they just would have kept Edward Norton in, <laughs> in this role? Um, I thought he did fine. 
as as Bruce. Um, ultimately, we are we are better off because Mark Ruffalo did a is, is fantastic as the Hulk. Um, he is he's so great on his feet. But the problem ultimately that I have with Hulk is that it's always the same story. I better not get mad, and mm-hmm. then I get mad until. You know, you kind of reveal in the Avengers, like, yeah, I can just do this whenever I want now. So it's all good. Um, I think really they were just... smart with Hulk. Because like, you have to do the you have to do the introduction. They were smart enough to not show the origin. Mm-hmm. And then the very next time we see him is in the Avengers, where they take his character in a completely different direction than what an audience would be used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that they, they navigated the Hulk well, but they kind of were shoehorned into, well, we have to do a, a him by himself movie first. And so that's where it kind of suffered. Yeah. I am, I am a, one of those Hulk defenders, although we'll still talk about Hulk today okay. for me, but I, I do, I do, I do like a lot about that movie. It's just, there's, there's also a lot to not like. Mm-hmm. But uh, my 38 is where I put Iron Man 3. Huh, he just did it again. It is a an amazing Shane Black movie and just a movie that doesn't really fit well within the MCU. It's not an MCU movie. I, mm-hmm. I love what they were going for. This was their first attempt. Well, I guess not really. It was their second attempt because... With uh, with the Avengers, you Joss Whedon is all over the Avengers movie, but with uh, Iron Man three, that is a Shane Black movie, and I just don't think it fits well in the the overall storytelling. And it it kind of to a degree makes me wonder if that's why it was a little shakier getting those like directors to really put their stamp on a movie until later. Like Iron Man three failed to be as big and well-received as the other previous movies. And that's probably why Edgar Wright took off from Ant-Man because they, they got scared, but uh, I think guardians then saved them the Mm -hmm. following year. So, but we'll see. Well, I don't know. I, I, Iron Man three, it was, it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't anything special. Uh, At my 38 is also Iron Man three because the, the Mandalorian twist did not work for me. The Mandalorian at twist at all. Um, yeah, when Baby Yoda showed up, I was certainly confused. Yeah, um, the uh, the the guy Richie character also didn't really work for me at all either. Yeah, um, same. So, I there were some cool moments in this, um, but overall, just. I kind of feel the same way about Iron Man 3 that I kind of feel about the Eternals as well, is that you're right. The whole director conundrum that Marvel has right now is that they let they they can attract talented directors. But then the problem that they run into is that there's a fine line that you have to strike between making a Marvel movie and letting the directors kind of put their own stamp on stuff and it works sometimes like james gunn i would say uh ryan coogler as well 
mainly for the first Black Panther, not so much for the second one, because that wasn't so much his fault as it was your lead actor passed yeah. away, unfortunately. I, I think he did as best he could with yeah, an not impossible whole, situation. Yeah, couldn't couldn't have done a whole lot with that. But then you run into a situation where the the director of the Marvels is already coming out and saying it's like, yeah, this is a Kevin Feige movie. I didn't really get to do a whole lot. And that's just what makes me super nervous about, yeah. about stuff. Um, Chloe Zhao is a great get for Marvel, but I think... It was a confusing think, get too, though. Yeah, it was... Can't do a whole lot with like the type of storytelling that she wants to do and still maintain that you know this can still be a popcorn marvel movie they they just the two don't mesh together yeah at all it was more of a chloe chloe Zhao did the cinematography and kevin feige directed because it just he there was there was that line that they weren't willing to let the director cross so yeah yeah so uh what's your number 37 Number 37 is where I have Miss Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. She's trying to copy me. I I I want to like this movie so much more, but like I don't know. I I love I love Ben Mendelsohn and the Skrull stuff, but it until we it's get secret invasion. We don't we don't really get that till the end and now secret invasion especially has kind of soured it even more like knowing where it goes doesn't go anywhere so yeah um we'll uh we'll have to we'll have to see later on but i i i liked um i did like what's her face as uh marie maria rambo monica no monica is oh. the daughter the mom oh okay yeah the mom i i really like lashana lynch lashana yeah. lynch yes i really liked her as uh as maria rambo and i thought she she was really underused but uh she she made a lot with a little um i i like brie larson but i feel like she was directed really poorly in this mm. movie like the character was written stupid because what are you gonna do when your character main character doesn't know who she is like yeah she she was she was like kind of in the dark the whole time so there wasn't a lot for her to do with it and sam jackson was great but like old man <laughs> sam jackson was supposed to be moving like young man sam jackson and so that got distracting with the cgi and all the 90s nostalgia i found to be very offensive because how <laughs> dare they say that that we're old now yeah <laughs> so. i i feel bad for putting it this lo low because i hate the way that Brie Larson has been treated since yes, she's joined the agreed. MCU. Um, but the movie's just not very good. And it's a combination of, I think they just made a bad choice with the directors. Uh, unfortunately, you know, just not very, again, this it's the fine line that you want to strike. You want to give people creativity and you want to give newer directors an opportunity to do what they can. But this it just it didn't work um and also i think i think marvel also has a captain marvel problem because she's too powerful it's the same yes. thing that dc has with superman what 
what other Superman stories can you tell that will be interesting and compelling? I'm sure James Gunn will figure it out. I'm like, I'm kind of mixed on Man of Steel. I don't like, I don't think it's this great movie that like all these people who are DC apologists think that it is, but I also don't think it's the crap show that everyone's making it out to be either. But the problem I always have with Superman is like, how many stories can you tell with Superman before we start to get a little repetitive, kind of similar with the Hulk and kind of similar mm -hmm. with, um, with uh, Captain Marvel as well. Yeah. And it just proved that. So uh, what's your number 36? Wait, was Captain Marvel also your 37? Yeah, I said that. Oh, cool. So we have the same 37, 38, and 40? Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, my number 36, let's see if we can go for a, a three in a row, is the first Thor rounding out all the Thor movies for me. Okay. Um, no? Okay. I, I don't dislike Thor. The first one, I just... You're, you're... Your rankings contradict that, but okay. <laughs> I, I well, that's just how good. That's how good the other Marvel movies are. I think that Thor one is just kind of basic. Like I, there are great moments in it, but I, it was it was their first. It was the third, third, fourth movie. No, it came out third. It was no, it was after oh. Iron Man two. So yeah. it was their fourth movie. Like they bleached his eyebrows blonde for some reason that was, they, that was weird they, they used the warriors three a lot like there was a lot of a lot a lot of go there was a lot going on and it was a little messy and they were still kind of afraid to introduce the idea of magic so they did the whole it's it's just the it's science yeah exactly so like there was it was it's it's a perfectly cute little movie I think it kind of falls apart at the end a little bit, but then right, it is with the, every, with the destroyer. Every, like most Marvel movies don't have a problem yeah. with that. So, well, that's just it. It, it, it has that problem with the destroyer, but then it, it recovers with the ending on the, the bridge with Loki. And because mm -hmm. for once, rarely, uh, Loki and Thor have different powers. So it's not a same versus same situation. Yeah. And I, I like that. Uh, so, like, I would love to put Loki higher, but at the end of the day, when I just look at all the other movies, like, I really do enjoy them all a little bit more. Okay. So, Thor is my number 36. How about you? We're going to have a very interesting discussion about that, because I have Thor, I don't want to say much higher, but we're definitely not going to be talking about Thor in my list next week. So, Ooh. um. Very fun. So uh, my number 36 is what if. Um, okay. Because the with what if, the I like that they tried something different with the animation. It just didn't work for me. And with an anthology series, unfortunately, some are going to be better than others. And this was definitely the case. Um it felt very disjointed because it, this is like a pandemic project as well, because you could tell that they weren't around each other to rip off one another. So um, 
So it suffers with that. And I'm one of those people who thought that they should have just kept this separate. I'm, I think I much rather would have preferred it to be all, all anthology. I didn't need the team up at the end. I really did. Me too. Yeah. Thank you. You're the, the first person I've ever heard agree with me on that. Yeah. Because that I, bugged the crap out of me. Because it undercuts what they were what they were looking to they do. They were doing, yeah. Yeah. It just it didn't it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me for this team up. And also it didn't make a whole lot of sense because the team up that they had, I feel like they were missing part they, they were missing an were. episode. So the, the Gamora episode got they had to cut it, and it's actually going to be the first episode of season two now. So which is so so silly. So, so that's dumb within itself um like there there's just something like it breaks my heart that this is going to be the last thing that chadwick boseman is in for marvel yeah like it just really bums me out but um there was something slightly comforting about that it's like okay we're you know he's he's still in it even though i wasn't a huge fan of like i didn't need t'challa to be star lord you know, I actually kind of like that one. That was like one of my favorites. <laughs> um, like, and, and but that is kind of the beauty of what if is yeah. that some people there are some things that people like that others don't. Won't. Like, yeah, I I'm a big fan of the Doctor Strange one. I like that Me one too. a lot. Um, I'm kind of mixed on the zombies one because that's a little too I out liked there. The zombies one, but I f- like. I think the problem with what if as a whole was that it was rushed. Yeah. Every episode felt rushed. Every episode felt like you could have put 10 to 15 more minutes into each episode. Mm-hmm. And it very much showed in a lot of them. Yeah. That that they were missing stuff. And I think also my big hang up with what if is that the Captain Carter stuff, I like that. But then you introduce her in in Multiverse of Madness. And it's like, no, we're not going what if anymore. Like, this is now a thing. Yeah. So, again, you're undercutting what you're supposed to be doing. I think what if should just be standalone. But, but Marvel's never going to do that because they just don't do standalone stuff. They just don't. Like Guardians well, of the Galaxy... Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Volume 3, is probably as standalone as we're going to get. Yeah, probably. I but I think that uh, that was the beauty of What If. Like, there's a part of me that is disappointed that it wasn't more connected to the greater MCU. Um, but, like, you get Captain Carter, and then you get Captain Carter again, Multiverse of Madness, and it's a different Captain Carter. Like... Mm-hmm. And we all thought that Doctor Strange, Evil Doctor Strange, was going to be Evil Doctor Strange in Multiverse of Madness, and it wasn't. And I think that was the missed opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. like you, you could have easily set that up. Yeah. But I mean, it is what it is. I, I maybe they're going somewhere with it down the road, but hopefully, hopefully, it it can still be that standalone anthology because i really really enjoyed the whole like 
let's get freaky. Let's let's <laughs> change things up. Let's do something different. And I hope they go even more outlandish in the season two because, uh, like, I saw some of the the concepts and I'm 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 intrigued by a couple of them. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So right. yeah, that was your thirty six. Yep. What is your thirty five? So my thirty five. This is where I have the Incredible Hulk. I okay. uh, I there are moments in it where it's like in the beginning where it goes from like night to day to night to day. And it's like, well, that's bad filmmaking. What are they doing? <laughs> and then, and then there are other moments where it's like, they introduce Samuel Stearns as in the potential for the leader to show up in future installments. And like, that's really cool. And, and abomination is really cool. And that fight was really cool. And like, so there's so much really cool in it. And it's funny. Like the, there are moments where it legitimately has humor in it. And uh, I I really enjoyed like how contained it was. And I love the, the, the Tony Stark cameo at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, again, this was their second attempt. They didn't quite have it down yet. They didn't quite know what they were doing. This is the one where for years, people weren't even a hundred percent sure it counted because they changed because Mark Ruffalo wasn't in it. So I don't know. I like I I couldn't put it much higher than this, but it it has jumped around from time to time because I do have a soft spot for it. Mm-hmm. Um, n- my thirty five is the Eternals. You know, like okay, there there's go. there's a lot of hanging threads from this that I'm not sure are ever going to be addressed, and I think that's what kind of annoys me a little bit about this. Um. Like, we have a, you know, huge event that happens on Earth with this just celestial just sticking out of Earth, and we have not talked about this at At all. all. There was a little blurb in She-Hulk, if you read the side of the news report, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was it. Sure, sure. That (laughs) is, uh, that's exactly, that's exactly where I want my, my news uh, of this celestial event well um, and i heard the rumor for either thunderbolts or cap four is essentially they're going to use this uh the 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 eternal sticking out of the the earth as a like a macguffin almost like <laughs> that's where they're mining adamantium or something like that and so it's going to be like a the bad guys are trying to steal it and the good guys are trying to protect it and that's a but like that's just a rumor still, so I don't even know. Well, and then also, this this is a pretty common Marvel problem, but I found it pretty prevalent with this one as well. Is that hey, we're gonna set up, we're gonna set up Harry Styles in the Marvel Cinematic oh. Universe for some strange reason, and Patton Oswalt, and I'm I'm more okay with that than you know. <laughs> the long lost brother of Thanos, a fellow eternal and all that stuff. But then also we're setting up Kit Harrington's black Knight mm-hmm. and blade, I guess. Yes, or they are allegedly blades voice, which, you know, good for Chloe Zhao for just convert. Yeah, that was totally blade. Uh, but I, 
I have more hope for that because if they kind of spin the the blade, uh, like blade, black knight, all of them into the more like gothic supernatural stuff, then fine. I'm I'm good with that because that's something different. But again, we're setting things up that how long has Eternals been out? Like three years? 2020, and, didn't it? Yeah. And still nothing from mm -hmm. it. Like Well, Blade keeps getting pushed. But like, I mean, Blade's not really connected to them. Like, I don't I don't know. I guess maybe Kit Harrington will be in Blade as a side character. I but, guess, but, but you're it right. Just... It it makes no sense to have crammed all that additional character stuff into into something that yeah. you're already cramming too much. Kind of like what you said earlier. Um, yes, I'm I'm totally with you that this should have been a Disney Plus show, and they should have given Falcon and the Winter Soldier just give them give them that movie. Give them the movie. Give Eternals the show. I mean, and then. Also, there's entirely the impossibility, the impossibility, <laughs> there's entirely the possibility that they also were setting up Galactus yeah. and Fantastic Four because they're the Earth is going to be judged. Mm -hmm. Like, who does that? Yeah. Galactus, Galactus does that. Yeah. Um, so. I, I think that um, the Marvels will be setting up the Fantastic Four. Because it feels oh, like really? it feels like Nick Fury is looking at the negative zone, and if they're looking at the negative zone, then that's that's Fantastic Four right there. So, Interesting. That's a good theory. I like that. I don't think it's going to happen because <laughs> I can't. I don't think they've got it figured out. Fantastic. I think if they knew what Fantastic Four was going to be at this point, we'd already have heard casting rumor like rumors we'd have official casting it wouldn't be a day like i have a running joke every time uh, i see a casting rumor for the fantastic four i just post on that page do a shot because <laughs> 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 i swear to god every time they do it you'll if you do a shot you'll die from all yeah. the alcohol poisoning because it's every other day this person <laughs> is now in contention for the role so i'm i'm starting to get concerned that they don't know what the hell to do with the fantastic four and it, it's, well, it's worrying me. Isn't isn't that Marvel's kind of problem right now? They doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. Period. Right now, and the whole John Krasinski of it all, I think, is that, the proof in the pudding. Like <laughs> that. That was see if the rumor is true or like allegedly that. I think it would have been so much better if they wouldn't have caved to fan pressure to put John Krasinski in as Mr. Fantastic. And if they would have cast Daniel Craig, like they originally wanted to, I think that would have been fantastic. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Yeah. That sure would have. I had not heard that rumor. That would have been Daniel Craig as Mr. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That would have been fun. I, I was one of those very, very pleased to see John Krasinski on screen. I, it's just oh, don't it, don't don't get me wrong. I was pleased about that as well. Um, but the way it, just, it, it was, was so waste. obvious he was on a green screen and that he wasn't there. And I was so disappointed. 
such a waste. Yeah. Like, you're going to metaphorically blow your load for John Krasinski just on this. Like, great. Uh-huh. thanks. Thanks, everyone. Like, I'm, I, and I'm like, well, that, that means he's going to be, that would have been the perfect way to announce that casting. And then they, they immediately went back on it. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. That's, it, no, that was just a fun little joke. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm someone who's still rooting for a John Krasinski directed Fantastic Four, even yes. though I don't think that's the case anymore, with Emily Blunt as uh, Sue Storm. Yeah, if, I wanted that too. But I, I, I think... I think for anybody who is concerned that Emily Blunt would not be able to play Sue Storm, uh, clearly has not seen Live, Die, Repeat, mm-hmm. Flash, Edge of Tomorrow, whatever you want to call it. I'm still sad that she's not Black. She didn't get to be Black Widow. That would have I, been... Emily I, Blunt as Black Widow would have been awesome. I agree. Um, although I do... Scarlett Johansson is is still... A great Black Widow. Oh but, yeah, she is. But she's no Emily Blunt. She's so. no Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is a delight. Uh, do you know her? Is that how you know that she's a delight? I can't confirm or deny that. I I would you, never you just... betray that confidence. Fair enough. So that is our forty three through thirty five ranking uh already some overlap and uh one controversial choice so um who uh i'm not gonna say it doesn't matter at this point uh so um i'm very curious to see where this list goes from here so i'm excited that we're doing this so um so that's going to be the uh that does it for the sacred timeline so uh nick what do we have coming up next Next week's episode will be season two, episode two, untitled with no description. <laughs> Thanks, Disney Plus. Here oh, we they, thought that uh, Paramount Plus was a pain yeah, in the I was, ass. I was just about to say, <laughs> don't you dare single out Disney Plus when Paramount Plus does the same exact thing. Oh, no. It's even worse because they won't even put the title up. The I turned on Loki episode one on Thursday night. It still said untitled. <laughs> I had to get the title from the episode. When you were watching it, the episode name pops up in the in the show. And I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> I don't know why they keep doing this. They did the same thing with Ahsoka. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, no, no title as of yet. I've tried to hit up uh friends of ours who might have uh screeners to see if maybe they know the titles but nobody knows the titles so it'll be a surprise for us but but that won't be the next episode in your podcast feed uh so tune in tuesday as we bring you uh star trek lower decks season four episode eight caves and uh, unfortunately, that'll be the last of the uh, the Star Trek titles that we have, because I was able to get a leaked list of those, but uh, it only went up to episode eight. So episode eight, Caves, which I am very much looking forward to, because that title tickles me pink. So until oh. next time, please like, subscribe, 
Be willing to have your skin peeled off and rate us five stars on your listening app of choice. You can also find us on social media. I am on Blue Sky, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Jagged2319. Uh, I am on Instagram threads, Blue Sky and Serialized at MLHilty2452. You can also contact the show at GeekSpeakLouder at gmail.com or on Blue Sky at GeekSpeakLouder.bsky.social or by just simply searching Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds, uh, which is far easier than typing out this gaudy blue sky address. So uh, until next time, I'm Mike Hilty. And I'm Nick Farrow. Thank you for tuning in to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds. Bye, everybody. Catchphrase. <laughs>